Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, the podcast where I, Quinn Cummings, give advice to people I do not know. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be asking yourself, does Quinn really want to give me bad advice? And the answer is no, I do not want to give you bad advice. I want to give you good advice. But I have absolutely no qualification to give you any sort of advice at all. I am not Moderna. I am not Pfizer. I am not AstraZeneca. I give advice because it amuses me to do so. So you might be asking yourself, will this advice I'm about to give you be good advice? Well, I think the answer is in the title of the podcast. If you want me to give you bad advice, you can leave a question for me at qcbad.com. It's completely anonymous, and better yet, it's completely free. So I can offer up this advice with a 100% money-back guarantee. Now, let's get started. Here's the first one for today. Subject, getting married for the wrong reason. Dear Quinn, I have a friend who is getting married even though she isn't in love. When I ask her why, she says her friends and family like her fiancé, and she doesn't want to disappoint them. I told her she's being silly. Her family wouldn't want her to marry someone she doesn't want to marry. When they're together, I've noticed she's a totally different person as well. He mocks her for the music she listens to and the TV shows she enjoys, and she just shrinks into herself. I fear she's making the biggest mistake of her life. Should I try to talk some sense into her or just keep my mouth shut? I remember reading someplace in the last 30 years or possibly last week, what is time anyway, that a couple can prevail over all emotional states, even hatred, except one, contempt. It's possible you are misunderstanding what you're seeing, but if you aren't, he holds her in contempt. And yeah, we're only talking about her music and TV shows, but part of what we are is what we like. He's not going to change. In fact, my experience has been that as years progress, people become more themselves, and it appears we have ourselves a corrosive asshole. But as you know, he isn't your corrosive asshole. And you correctly suspect saying something dramatic will push her further into this because part of that guy is about making the women in his life doubt themselves. You talk, she defends, she's further enmeshed. What to do? Here is what I would do. I like letters for things like this, at least in part because words on a page, and yes, I mean a page with a pen, You're going to write this down. I'll explain in a second. Words on a page are less antagonizing than vocal tones and eye contact, and you say something, but she hears something else, and her trying to change the subject. A handwritten note in a pretty card is the least threatening thing on earth, save a baby rabbit. If you want, arrange to have this note delivered by a baby rabbit. Anyway, In this note, you tell her you love her. You don't tell her she's silly. You give specific examples of incidents where he has treated her with contempt that you have seen. You remind her you love her, and you ask her what she would tell you if the situation was reversed. 
You finish it by saying the two of you need never talk about this letter unless she wants to. You remind her you love her and that you want her to be as happy in her life as she deserves to be. She's either going to marry this colossus of chodes or she isn't. Maybe your words create a second where she can step back and make another decision. Maybe she gets mad at you for a while. Maybe she appreciates your letter and marries him anyway. Tell the truth. Tell it respectfully. Tell it on paper. And then allow her to live her life and either way, be there for her. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, Missing My Creative Mojo. Quinn, I'm a creative person. I have a mentally demanding job, and when I'm not working, I like to make artsy stuff. I sew, I paint, I work with polymer clay and resin. I've had a project on my table for several weeks, working in stages to get it to this point where it's almost done. I just had a nice long three-day weekend to get it finished, and I couldn't do it. What happened to my mojo? And how do I get it back? 2020 was exhausting. And it was just the exhaustion cherry on top of the exhaustion Sunday we have been force-fed since 2016. And then 2021 so far has been all, hey, you know what might be possibly more exhausting than 2020? May! Creative work is maddening and fulfilling, but it's also work. And maybe you don't even have the energy for fulfilling work right now. Maybe, just possibly, you've been a tiny bit depressed and overwhelmed. Can't imagine why. It's been so great for so long, like living on a cloud, really. The muses are leaving you on red, and I get it. Annoying. A couple of thoughts. First, find Elizabeth Gilbert's TED Talk entitled Your Elusive Creative Genius, because even if it doesn't give you an immediate solution, you will feel better knowing this is one of the most watched TED Talks ever. The muses are always ignoring people and going surfing. Second, I think the whole, oh, thank God, three-day weekend, now I can finally get this done, jammed you up for some really specific reason. Maybe consider what that might be. I have a friend who stalled on a work project she was working on, something she didn't hate, something where she would get paid the balance of what she was due once she finished it, and she still couldn't finish it, and she couldn't figure out why. She went for a hike. She thought about sage and coyotes and the usual canyon hike stuff and very much not work stuff. Suddenly, it popped into her head that after this job, she had nothing lined up. And as irritating as an unfinished project was, it was less stressful than an empty calendar. Maybe not doing this work you love is giving you something. I will tell you that once my friend figured that out, she finished her project that day. Brains are weird. How's that for bad advice? Apparently, according to the FCC, I have to let you know when I am doing an ad. I have to let it be, and this is their terminology, clear and conspicuous. This is an ad. 
I have been very careful about not having ads up until now. I wanted to have products I really believed in and I really used. I really believe in and I really use Libro FM. What is Libro FM? It is an app which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 215,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You're going to get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, and I believe you know which one that is. But you will be part of a different story. You're going to be supporting your local community. Let me explain. I have my own membership. I pay for it and everything. And every month, a little bit of my membership goes to my local independent bookstore so that I can help keep them in business. Roman's Bookstore has been there over 100 years, and I want them to be there two years from now. This is what we can do right now for our independent bookstores. If you already love audiobooks, but you don't know what to listen to next, you can check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, booksellers. Also, maybe I'm going to have a list on there. I'm totally going to have a list on there. Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice has a special offer for you, the new listener at Libro FM. You get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with the code QUINN, Q-U-I-N-N. You will be so much happier with a book in your ear. You could do it while you wash dishes, uh, wash laundry, wash the dog. Turn the volume up if you wash the dog. They tend to complain a lot. Books are good. Books in your ears are great. And small bookstores are best of all. We can listen to books and we can help our local bookstores. Let's keep them going. Go to Libro, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M and sign up now. I'll see you there. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject rhymes with Please stop saying that. Dear Quinn, I have a woman I work with. Let's call her Karen for now. We do not work in the same department, and I don't report to her nor she to me. She's a good, smart person with a long history at this company. When our place of business started a committee for equity, she and I and a few others became part of a team. Great idea. And I think it's important. When we are in Zoom meetings, Karen will often say a word that somewhat sounds like the N-word, like bigger or rigor. When she does, well, here's an example. If that's the case, then we'll have to get a bigger, I said bigger, budget for that speaker. It's so embarrassing and so awkward. I cringe every time. I finally approached another person in the committee and gently asked if she'd noticed. She did, but had no advice on what any of us should do because Karen has been in the company much longer than any of us. I could use some bad advice. I want to commend you for getting trapped in a cold open for the office. A gag which would be funny and also horrifying, but which would, thank God, end after 30 seconds. Your life is longer than that, 
But also, there are so many words which rhyme with that word. I just thought of seven. This could be endless. I guess my first question is, why is she doing it? What is she attempting here? Is this some stab at creating a comfortable work environment for everyone by putting a hex on this word? Is it some attempt at humor? Is it related to being on Zoom, where she is concerned the sound isn't what it ought to be? Is it related to something her mother saw while pregnant with her? Whatever her intention is will inform how you talk to her because, yes, you do need to talk to her. One of the reasons Michael Scott makes us all die a little inside is that he often finds something which should be unspoken, and then he speaks it, and then he speaks it again, louder and with a British accent. Whatever good intention she has, hanging a lantern on 400 years of systematic oppression by playing the rhyming game isn't moving the equity ball forward. It's harder in a Zoom meeting. And again, I have a suspicion this may have something to do with Zoom. So maybe this is a conversation when people are back in offices or when you two are offline in some way. Explain so gently that you admire the work she's doing and you're so pleased to be working with her on this committee but that continuing this behavior brings a word into the room which until that moment you promise her had not been there for anyone else. Say it once, privately, and then be prepared to let it go. She might continue this behavior. Conversations about race and equity can make even the best-intentioned people go a little squirrely, and this just might be her tree. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, no thanks. Dear Quinn, when this pandemic started, we had a neighbor who was struggling with her freelance job. I had some contacts and made introductions. She not only ended up landing something, but it turned out to be a pretty sweet deal for her. Good for her, yes. But she never thanked me for those introductions. I recently saw her in a sweatshirt from the company. It makes me crazy. All I want is a thank you for hooking her up with something that clearly improved her work and life, and it never comes. And it probably never will. Some people are rotten at gratitude. You apparently have met one of them. As my former boss, the late and lamented Susan Smith, would often say, now you know with whom you're having the pleasure. You did the right thing, and that's going to have to be enough. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, Photographic Memories. Dear Quinn, because all we do is stay at home these days, I cleaned out a closet I haven't used for anything but storage. I found an old photo album with many pictures of a relationship from nearly 30 years ago. I thought about throwing it out, but many photos are of the then preschool-age son of my ex-girlfriend. He didn't have many people who cared about him, including his mother. It's one of the reasons we broke up. I know where this boy, now 20-something man, lives. 
Should I send him these photos? I'd do it anonymously because I wouldn't want to start any relationship. He doesn't know these photos exist. They mean nothing to me anymore. I feel like if I simply throw these out, I'm acting selfishly. Should I give him a glimpse back at his young life? Putting myself in your shoes, here is how I would handle it. I would write a letter explaining exactly what you said to me and put both the letters and the picture in an envelope and send them. I wouldn't send them anonymously because, well, it's 2021 and someone anonymously sending me pictures of myself as a child sounds like the start of one of my true crime podcasts. You knew him back then. You feel as if these are his pictures. You hope he's doing well and you wish him the best. No need to write you back. I mean, unless you genuinely don't want to have any sort of communication with him, which is certainly your prerogative, at which point I say, you can throw him out. I just realized that's the third time I have had you all write a letter. I am not in the pocket of big stationery. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, please help a suicidal cat. Dear Quinn, we have friends who have moved from a house to a condo on the fourth floor overlooking the ocean. They have a dog and a cat. The first week they were in the condo, Kitty decided to wander to the balcony and take a flying leap. Luckily, she made it to the balcony next door. My friends immediately bought a leash, but then Kitty nearly hanged herself with a cleaver maneuver that got her over the balcony. My friend got a screen for the balcony door. Kitty now claws it, and they've already had to have it replaced. They've only been there two months. They love their condo. They want to keep the patio door open to enjoy the ocean and not have to keep locking the cat in the bedroom. Is there any way to train a suicidal cat? No. But there is a way to train the humans. She's bored. She used to have a house, and now she has a condo. First of all, they need to start cutting her nails once a week and make sure she has a scratching post inside. Now, about the boredom. Tell them to watch My Cat from Hell, which is the reality show Jackson Galaxy did. And yeah, some of it's formulaic and it's pretty predictable. But Jackson Galaxy knows what he's talking about. And he spends a lot of time breaking down the idea that a tired cat is a happy cat. Maybe they can start clicker training her. Rotate out toys so she's constantly amused by novelty. In short, they're going to have to make her life more interesting. Also... Have them Google catios, like a patio, starting with a C. They may be able to create a setup on that balcony which delights her and pleases them. And tell them I wish them luck. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, struggling with sexuality and religion. Dear Quinn, I am a teenaged male who went through slash is going through puberty. I have been struggling with this, and it has made me start to doubt my religion, which is Christianity. I'm fairly sure I'm straight, but the whole waiting for marriage is where I'm not sure. I'm not even sure the question, but I need any advice, bad advice included. Well, didn't you just come to the right person? Here's my advice. I need you to make a decision. 
which is that you decide not to make a decision right now. You are questioning everything you have taken for granted. Yes, that's adolescence. Moving away from the small family bond and looking outwards is what keeps us from mating with our immediate relatives. You're supposed to be doing this. Now, as far as religion goes, you don't have enough information yet. You might have faith your entire life. You might have faith and struggle with it your entire life. Mother Teresa wrote in her diary about how she lost faith and apparently didn't have it for decades. She kept showing up and doing her Mother Teresa stuff. You right now are stretching and changing in every imaginable way. Don't believe me? Try wedging your foot into shoes you wore last year, and your brain is way, way more complicated than a foot. Maybe Christianity will continue to hold meaning for you. Maybe not. Maybe you'll walk away for a while, but then come back because you realize you want it, and you'll find a church which isn't so consumed with your sexual history. Because here's the thing. All religions are buffets. People walk past, pick up what interests them, leave the rest, which is fine. Were it not for the fact that a lot of people act as if the ambrosia slash coleslaw slash slightly iffy salmon plate they created is the only true entree. The world is larger than any one plate. You're questioning, which is fantastic. If you have to do it quietly right now to keep the peace at home, do that. But if there is a God, she gave you the gift of a brain with which to ask why. And we do not turn our back on gifts. There are tons of progressive Christians who have written great books about loving God, but also having real questions about the church as it exists and the Bible as it is frequently used, which is as a weapon. If you want a place for your faith, there will be a place for you no matter what you end up realizing is right for you. I promise. As far as sex before marriage, that is supremely complicated and requires so much more data than you have right now. And just a side note, pornography is lies. Okay, I think that's enough bad advice for today. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy. That's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to qcbad.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. If you want to show people your feelings about bad advice, we now have bad advice merchandise with our fork and a toaster logo at quincummings.com forward slash merch. We do add new products from time to time, so check out the catalog. And let me know what you think. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. 
I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time.